Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together today. We'll put it on the screen for you. Just pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we lift this prayer to you, this disciple's prayer that Jesus taught so many years ago. And we pray that you would show us what it means, Lord, to trust you for daily bread, to receive your good gifts, and to love you most and best and first. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So grateful for this time of singing together this morning, this Memorial Day weekend and uh, graduation weekend for many. Uh, we've had in recent weeks college graduates and, and high school graduates and got to sit in on one of those yesterday. It was a great, great day. So I wonder, how often do you buy bread? We think about bread often. We love bread. We go to restaurants that have bread. The best bread I ever had, just to be clear, was at a restaurant on a lake in Austin. And it was a barbecue place, but I went to the barbecue place not for the barbecue. I went there because they gave you a loaf of bread and honey butter to put on the bread. And by the time I ate the bread with the honey butter, I really didn't care about the flavor of the barbecue because the bread was just so good. We can learn to depend on God and to trust God for bread. God is good at providing for us, but we can be a bit like the little boy in, in one family. Uh, his parents were becoming anxious. He was four years old, and he had not yet spoken a word. They took him to specialists. They said, he's fine. When he's ready to talk, he'll talk. And so one morning at breakfast, the boy suddenly blurted out, Mom, the toast is burned. She looked at him and said, you talked, you talked, I'm so happy, but why has it taken you so long? And he said, well, up till now, things have been okay, things have been pretty good. I just didn't have anything to tell you. And it seems to me sometimes that our conversations with God can be like that, that at one level we don't say much to him until there's something that we don't like, and then we want him to do something about it and now. And particularly in the area of trusting God for his provision, Jesus has a word for us. It turns out that, that God's been in the bread-making business for some time, going all the way back to the wilderness and, and manna, and, and the manna was given to the people. And then Jesus also, remember, provided food for people. Would you open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 6? And I'm going to read with you verses 26 to 35. I uh, got to sit in on one of our Sunday school classes. I love our Sunday school teachers. They're doing a, a great job and heard a great lesson on a text in Mark that exactly parallels this text. So I'm grateful for that class and the excellent lesson that was taught there. And let's hear the word of the Lord together. Would you stand with me in reverence for our God and his word? John chapter 6, verse 25. 
When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. When they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see, see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It may help us to remember that Jesus knew what it was like to be hungry. That Jesus didn't just pretend to be a human being, but he actually was human. And as a human, as a baby, he grew hungry as he grew older. And then voluntarily led by the Spirit on this Trinity Sunday, we're reminded that after the Father said at Jesus' baptism, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased, the Spirit came like a dove, and the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness knowing that he would be tested there. And one of the temptations was he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. He went on a 40-day fast we would say. I've heard of people doing that in these days. I've never done that, but, but he goes out there for 40 days. And I tell you, after 40 days of having nothing at all to eat, can you imagine that the rocks started looking like loaves of bread to him? And the enemy was there to remind him, if you say the word, the rocks will become bread. You don't have to be hungry you can eat. And Jesus makes a very interesting statement in response to that temptation. He says, so people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus knew what it was like to be hungry. And isn't it interesting that on more than one occasion, he saw a a great crowd of people who had come to hear him teach, and he took it upon himself to feed them. And these miracles, John particularly calls signs. And signs are signs because they signify, they signify, they mean something. And John tells us that Jesus did the signs so that people would see them and believe. And so when Jesus feeds this group of people, if you remember the story, as John gives us just a few different insights, it's the same story. He's feeding 5,000 people, and he says that we should feed them, and one of the disciples says, yeah, that would cost a lot of money. And then Andrew says, yeah, well, there's this little boy who's got some fish and some loaves, but what is that among so many? And it says Jesus asked the question because he, he already knew what he was about to do. I find great comfort in that thought, 
that God speaks to us and interacts with us and calls us to believe in him and obey him. And all the while, he already knows what he's about to do. And when those disciples started distributing those fish and loaves, not only did they feed all of the people that day, but they gathered, remember, 12 baskets of fragments that were left over, 12 baskets of the bread. There were 12 apostles. In my own mind, I think, in a way, Jesus was saying to them, there's enough for everybody, not only for the crowd, but I can provide for you. I can meet your needs. I can watch over you. And the crowd was so impressed. John alone tells us that they said, let's crown him king. And they tried by force to make Jesus king. And Jesus escapes them and goes up on a mountain to pray and then crosses the, the sea um, in an unusual way. He doesn't have a boat, but he joins his disciples in the boat in the middle of a storm. And they get to the other side. And I think the point of that story is that Jesus was with them in the storm, that he doesn't leave them alone. And then they get to the other side. And the people who were fed the day before are hungry again. Because that's the way life goes. You eat one day and you're hungry. Yesterday, we had this amazing meal after Casey's graduation. We'd go, and I remember the bread was amazing. It was one of those Italian restaurants, and we're, you know, we got the olive oil. I'm just feeling healthy while I'm eating this unleavened bread, you know, this kind of pita bread, and I'm dipping it in the, in the olive oil, and I'm just loving it. And, and you just think, I'll never be hungry again. About four hours later, we're like, you hungry? Because I'm hungry. That's the way life goes. And they got food that one day and they think, hey, wouldn't it be great if Jesus went in the bread business? What if Jesus just fed us every day? And so they remind him, they say, you remember our ancestors in the wilderness, um, Moses fed them six meals a week and the sixth one lasted through the seventh day, remember? And he did it for 40 years. And then they say, so what are you going to do? God fed us, Moses fed us, and, and, and now we're here and you fed us yesterday and it's a new day and will you feed us now? And Jesus looks at them and says, yeah, so that's not why I came. I didn't come to give you bread. I came to be the bread of life and the true bread of heaven comes down from heaven and gives life and I'm the true bread and we look at it and so that's an interesting metaphor that Jesus is using except it's more than a metaphor and like those people in the crowd there are times when I think we come to God because we want something he can give to us and if we're not careful it goes quid pro quo pretty quickly and it's like so God I'm doing you a service I'm coming to church I'm involved I'm growing as a disciple I'm reading your Bible so what are you going to do for me and we can very quickly reduce that to material things to temporal things so rather than wanting the giver himself we obsess about the gift. And God won't let us stay there. Put another way, if relationship with Jesus Christ and the life that he gives us is not enough for us, no amount of things in this world ever will be. Jesus did not come first to give us bread. You say, but pastor, he, he fed people. He fed the 4,000. He fed the 5,000. He promises to meet our needs. I understand, 
But we must understand that Jesus' primary purpose in coming was not to meet our temporal needs. He's well able to do that. In fact, I would go so far as to say we have no worries in that regard. If he provided for 4,000, if he provided for 5,000, he will take care of us. But I wonder sometimes what if we didn't have something to eat for a day? Because you understand that there are hundreds of millions of people in the world who don't. And we say, if, you know, I know I ate breakfast and I had a little bit of brunch and I'm like a hobbit. I eat like two breakfasts, you know, and then I have lunch and then I, you know, it's like, but man, what's for supper? And I can get sort of caught up in that routine. And of course, eating is a part of life. But let me just say this. If, if that becomes the focus of life, there's the chance that I lose my focus on God. And that's the power, by the way, if I could challenge you to follow in Jesus' example. You don't have to do 40 days and 40 nights. But fasting is powerful in a way because we give up one thing so that we can gain something even better. And I have discovered, have you, that sometimes in the absence of a meal, God has become even more real to me. So we wake up and we say, well, I have to eat. I have to have my temporal needs met. And by the way, my definition of my needs is probably different than Jesus' definition of my needs. Some of what I call needs, he would probably call wants. Some of my problems are first world kind of problems because a lot of people in the world don't even think about those things. But at the end of the day, life is not about what I own or what I eat or what I wear. And in some ways, this is the fullness I was talking to you about last week that can dull our senses and fill us in ways that we can't be filled up with God because we've already filled up our lives with other things. So the crowd comes and they say, we have to have something to eat. Of course, we have to eat. We're here for you to give us food, Jesus. They surveyed freshmen in college and asked them, so what is the most important thing in your life and in your world? And it's interesting because kids today answer differently than kids 50 years ago. And kids today, freshmen in college said, my purpose in life is to get wealthy. That's my purpose in life. Really? That, that's what my purpose in life, and here's the thing, if I'm a Christian and I buy into that and I say God's real purpose for my life is for me to be healthy, wealthy, and wise now, then I tell you what happens to my understanding of God. God becomes useful. God becomes a means to my end. And you know what's wrong with that? So Jesus can never be a means to my end because, of course, he is the end. He's the goal. He's the purpose. He's the fulfillment of life. And as long as I'm looking at him as my concierge, as my butler, if you will, God, give me what I need when I need it. And I'll take care of you, God, but you do this for me. And, and Romans 11, that beautiful doxology at the end of Romans chapter 11, uh, our chairman deacons, I've been memorizing this, this passage for a couple years. If I mess up, help me out, David. But he says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Here it is. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? So what we know for sure in view of the gospel is that God doesn't owe us 
He could never owe us. He can never be in our debt. Does that make sense to you? So Jesus didn't just come to give us bread. They also surveyed another group of people and said, if you had how much more possessions, money, would you be happy? How much more do you need? What was interesting was whether the people made $30,000 a year or $250,000 a year, they all answered the same number, 10%. If I just had 10% more, I would be happy just 10% more. And what they discovered is if those same people later in the survey, years later, had 10% more, what did they need? 10% more. Because, because temporal possessions and food and drink and the things that we think will satisfy the thirst in our souls, what Pascal called a God-shaped void in our souls, what Augustine said, oh God, you have made us for yourself and we're restless till we find rest in you. And what we know for sure is as long as we're trying to satisfy the thirst of our souls with anything besides God, it's like drinking salt water. It just makes you more thirsty There's a treadmill of hedonism that says if I can get this need met and this need met, but I have an almost insatiable ability to want more. That's the way they were when they came to Jesus and said, we know you fed us yesterday, but we wish you would feed us again. And Jesus said, and I just remind us, people don't live by bread alone. Bread's not enough. It never will be. But then Jesus says, I didn't come to give you bread. I came to be the bread of life. And as Jesus, if you just unpack it with me, as Jesus, he says that not just once, but in verse 33, verse 32, he he calls himself the bread from heaven. In verse 33, he says, it's the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is identifying himself and he says, I came to give you life. Remember the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, John 10, 10, that you may have life and have it to the full. Isaiah 55, in our prayer time together, we're praying for revival on Wednesday nights at six o'clock. I would love for you to join us. Many of you joined us online. That is awesome. If you can be here, that's great too. And we're just praying that God will bring revival in our church. And we started with Isaiah chapter 55, verses one and two. I think we have those verses. Do we have Isaiah 55, one and two, where he says, why? Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Just stay right there and just realize Isaiah was not telling them that they were upgrading the menu. He's not really talking about better food here. What he's saying is the things that you are investing your life in are not finally fulfilling the deepest need of your souls. And Jesus could look at them and say, I'm the bread of heaven. Again, in in verse 48, I am the bread of life. In verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. So what does Jesus want us to do? Well, he says it there in verse 35 when he says, I am the bread of life. Here's the invitation. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you know any people who aren't hungering for more, who are actually satisfied in this life? If you know people who are satisfied, I will show you people who have found that God is all they need. One man moved into a new neighborhood. He was living next door to a Quaker 
He had the big moving van, as all of us do, and the moving van comes in. I remember when I left Montana to go to college, all my worldly possessions were in one box, and I had like three hangers. And somehow, it's, it's sort of, there have been accumulations through the years, right? And so we pull up the moving van, and this guy pulls up his moving van, and they unload electronics and furniture and stuff forever. And he meets his new neighbor, the Quaker, and the Quaker says, if you find anything else that you need, come and ask me, and I'll show you how you can live without it. You think you have to have stuff to live, but I'm telling you, you can live without it. You can live with, look, you can live without, this is unbelievable. You could live without your phone for a season. I'm telling you, you could. How do I know that? Because people used to do that. You used to have phones that actually plugged into walls and you could find them when you needed them. But, but we think, if I don't have my phone, what if somebody took your phone for a day? Well, that would just be the end of the world, except people live for years without phones. We, we don't have to have electronics. We don't have to have endless fullness in our stomachs. We, we don't have to have these things, but I tell you what we do have to have. We have to have God. You can live without water for a little while. You can live without food for a little while. But we can't live without God at all because we were made for him. We were made for more than the material. And in some ways, the Lord's Supper reminds us these, these small little portions of bread, these tiny little cups, which would, which would never satisfy our physical hunger and thirst. In a way, they just remind us that God is enough for us, that he always has been, that he always will be. I have this good friend, and she walks with God, and she teaches me about prayer. She teaches me about loving God. And one day, I just asked her, I ran into her in another town, and I said, so, how are you? And she answered me with a single word, an unforgettable word. How am I, she said, sustained. I'm sustained. If she's sustained, then there has to be a sustainer. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And you will, if you, if you will just come to me, you'll never go hungry. The old hymn says, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Have you tasted that bread? Have you had a drink from that cup that satisfies your longings like nothing else can do? Let's pray together. Bowing our heads, the scripture says the Lord's Supper is a time for examination. So here's what I want us to examine together today. Ask the Lord if there's anything you want more than him. He'll, he'll let you know. Is there anything in this world that you want more than God? Is it a relationship? Is it food? Is it material? Is it house, car? Anything you want more than God. God's not a means to our ends. He's the end itself. Confess that to him. And turn from it. Father, we confess that, as C.S. Lewis said, we are half-hearted creatures. We're far too easily pleased. 
We would settle for so much less than you have for us. But today, God, we confess to you that nothing in this world could ever satisfy our souls like Jesus. So today, as we eat this bread, as we drink from this cup, as we come to this table, remind us of this, God, that you are enough. And we turn from our endless quest for things. We turn to you. Bread of heaven, feed us till we want no more. Water of life, satisfy the thirst in our souls until you are all that we have and we discover that you are all that we need. We confess today, Lord Jesus Christ, you have always been, you are now, And you will always be enough for us. In Jesus' name, amen.